Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. Gentlemen, it's our weekly show. I was out last week with a little sickness, all good this week. Got Ross and Greg here, talk Duke Carolina Wednesday night in Cameron. Should be an interesting ball game. Greg, I'll start with you first, and let's all talk about this. Roy Williams said it's the most gifted Duke team he's faced, and we were kind of talking about it off the air. Um, I guess that's right, maybe. I, I don't know if it is or not, but your thoughts on Roy giving the Blue Devils that hype, Greg? Yeah, the, what I took away from that press conference, Tommy, is that Roy Williams uh, almost encouraged the hype. It was very interesting. He wasn't pushing back against it. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah they're incredible. Like, most gifted team they've had since I've, I've been back. Uh, and there is some truth there. But in talking with some of the players, they're, they're content to let you Duke receive all this praise and all this publicity. And Carolina's just going to go about their way and kind of fly under the radar if they can. Um, and I think that's easier said for the older guys than maybe the younger guys. We'll have to see how they how they, they manage the scene that is Cameron Endor for the first time. But I think that's kind of a unique approach. Uh, but, I mean, you know, Zion Williamson, we know how, how talented that young man is. Um, it'll be interesting to see you know, how he uh, progresses his game at the next level. Clearly, he needs to work on his outside shot to really take that next step to be an elite NBA guy, but he's an elite guy at the college level right now. I mean, I think you could easily make the case that R.J. Barrett's a more skilled option. And so that's why you're going to see those two guys probably go one, two in the draft. And so when you're starting there that, hey, they have the top two guys in the draft, uh, that, that lends a lot of credibility to the argument that this is the most talented Duke team. Now, does that mean they're the best Duke team? No, not necessarily. Um, but you know, as, as Sean May said on the radio show last week, you know, one of the first things that Roy Williams taught that group when he came in back in the 03-04 season was that talent's important, but talent doesn't beat good teams. Good teams beat good teams. Um, and so that's the, that's the challenge for, for Mike Krzyzewski, and it has been over the, over the years, is you know, he's got the best talent in the country, no doubt, but can he mold them into the the type of team that can win a national championship uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, but, but clearly, uh, you know, I think Roy saying that's not a surprise really to anybody, uh, but it does kind of speak to the, the, the youth that Duke has and they, they don't clearly do not have the experience, especially when it comes to this particular game. Ross, the Duke hype is real. Of course, if you've been on the inside calling the message boards or on Twitter, folks are giving, Jason Williams or Jay Williams, heck, for his stat recitation on uh, ESPN not too long ago before we recorded this podcast. But the bottom line, Carolina's got to go into Cameron and face a Duke team, most talented or not, is not necessarily a good matchup for North Carolina heading in, at least on its face. Yeah, everything changes when you, you head into Cameron. It's such an intimidating uh, atmosphere. Having kind of just been in there pregame and, and during the game, it's 
It's so different than anywhere you've ever faced. Uh, for our listeners who who may have been there or may have not been in there, it's it's unreal the difference. Um, and w- w- with this Duke team, it's almost a time when UNC does not need any traditional bigs. We, we've always harped on the fact that they lacked that this year um, with not having a, you know, a real big, big man that with, with Luke May and, and uh, Garrison Brooks kind of holding that position. But but now you face um, Zion Williamson and, and Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett and Jack White, who are all kind of that 6'7", 6'6", to 6'7", to 6'8", type player. And it's kind of a weird matchup for UNC. I don't really know where they turn. I asked multiple players today during our press availability about, you know, who guards who and, and how they kind of defend that. And um, Luke May said kind of it's a team effort, which I agree with. Kind of That's what I expected for him to say. I think it's going to have to be a combination of Nasir Little, Luke May, and Garrison Brooks to kind of somehow slow down uh, that combination. But it's a talented group. Uh, you look at Zion Williamson, and then you forget about R.J. Barrett, who maybe, you know, one of – maybe the more talented player in terms of basketball skill. And then Trey Jones, who is a very talented multi-skilled point guard that Cody White's going to have to deal with. So there's a lot of angles to look at this game. I think it's an interesting matchup. I think UNC has some advantages as well. And I think it'd be remiss for us not to comment on those as well. So I think it's going to be a really cool game with a big time atmosphere. uh, And it's another um, awesome traditional game for for duke unc on wednesday greg let's talk a little bit about the matchup and let's start at kobe white and trey jones i mean you you think when i watch kobe white i mean he can take anybody ever trey jones gets the hype as being one of their you know if not the best defensive player on duke's team maybe the best defensive player in the conference he gets that sort of hype but Kobe White has had success against everybody. The one thing that gives me a bit of pause um, when I'm thinking about this matchup is how Kobe struggled against Virginia, the way Virginia matched up and put the smaller guy on him. Your thoughts on that matchup specifically? Because uh, I, I think, you know, we 25 games in the season, as Kobe White goes, as goes North Carolina pretty much so far this year, Greg. Yeah, I, I think I think you have to be – careful when you you talk about like the Virginia game um I think I think that's just such a unique uh defense that Virginia runs that it really takes away Kobe's strengths which is pushing tempo uh, attacking the, the basket and then capitalizing on that ability to attack by being able to step back and knock down a three and this is really hard to do against Virginia um and I think the way Duke likes to play I mean they're they're not quite at the tempo of North Carolina, but they may as well be. I mean, they, they want to run. And so I think that plays into uh, Kobe's hands a little bit. Now, I do think it's going to be a great matchup. And I do think, you know, one of the keys for this game is turnovers. Um, and I know that you know, Luke May has, has been the the primary culprit in terms of you know, committing a lot of turnovers in recent weeks. But Kobe's had some issues as well. And so I, th- I think it's really important that, for him to play under control while also really pushing it. And so that's a fine line to straddle. And that's one of those things, you know, if he was just hang around for another year or two, we really wouldn't have to talk about that. But as a freshman, you you want to butt up against that line without going over it, right? That's the old thing with, with comedians, right? The way you know there's a line uh, is when you have to cross it occasionally. And it, it pisses everybody off, but that's kind of what you have to do. 
And the same thing applies here is Kobe needs to see how far he can push it without getting to the point where he's committing those turnovers, which, which really play in the Duke's hands. I mean, Duke is, is number one in the country in terms of still percentage. Uh, they're number two in the country in terms of block percentage. That's very much an AAU style of defense where you're not locking people down with suffocating defense like Virginia, but where you're, you're opportunistic and you're making the splash plays and that allows you to score on the other end. So I think that's the, that's one of the keys for North Carolina is turnovers. And as you, as you suggest, that really starts with, with Kobe, but if he's able to get out and run and push tempo, I think he matches up with Jones as well as anybody. And I think that becomes somewhat of a problem for what, what Jones wants to do defensively. Let's uh, well, your thoughts there, Ross. I mean, when I look at Carolina's stats and wins and losses, I mean, it's, it's sort of amazing the difference. Uh, I mean, Carolina in their 19 or 20 wins, they average 90 plus and their losses. They're down around 70. I mean, that is unbelievable. The difference there, um, you know, Duke's going to want to push it. Carolina's going to want to push it. But like Greg says, it's the turnovers and Kobe White leads it. But Luke May has certainly had his fair share of just bad turnovers, even against a team like Wake Forest, who if Wake Forest is not the worst team in the conference in a long time, they're pretty (laughs) close. So, you know, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Is that the key, Ross? I mean, yeah, that's a simple, you know, simple answer kind of if they don't turn it over that, that gives them an advantage i mean to kind of build on that about kobe white i think kobe white's a huge key i mean i think i think unc has a little bit of advantage with him offensively if he can get going against trey jones um that gives unc uh some opportunity to get some easy points in transition which they need to capitalize on if he can knock down a couple of threes in the first half that's going to be uh, a very positive for unc i i think I think Trey Jones is a great player and very great defensively, but I think I think Kobe White is the better overall point guard. If you look, you maybe look to the NBA and just look at what he can do offensively with his length. Um, so if if they can take advantage of that matchup, that is big. And then to kind of build on that and expand from this question, um, if if Cameron Johnson can have the type of games he's had he's had recently, I think it, it would be huge for UNC if he can dock down two or three threes in the first half you know, two or three threes in the second half. It opens things up down low for Luke May and, and Kenny Williams and, and and Kobe White to drive. And I think that is where UNC can capitalize. They've been a very good three-point three point shooting team this season. If they can continue that in a hostile environment, I think that gives UNC a chance to win. I think if they can shoot like they've been shooting in their big wins, um, I think it, it, it would give them a chance in the last couple of minutes to, to win. And uh, Cameron Johnson has been great, and uh, he could be the difference maker. Him and Kobe could it be the difference maker down low, down late against uh, against Duke. Greg, we, we, there's so many things we could talk about in this matchup, <laughs> but uh, and it's I'm all over the place, and I apologize for that. But let's talk about Cam Johnson then. Uh, okay, if we're going to talk about shooting, he's got to be hot, but. Greg, in your opinion, in watching these type games, and this game may be a little different than most Duke games, but what's the sweet spot for Carolina as far as shooting percentage and three-pointers? I mean, I don't think they need to shoot the gym out, shoot the lights out of the gym, but I I think they, you know, if they shoot below 40%, they got no shot. Uh, I think we can agree with that. But if they shoot 
you know, 45, you know, from the field, 45 from three-ish, um, then I think they're right in it, no matter, you know, unless Duke just goes nuts like they did against uh, Virginia, I believe, the second time. Well, I would say that, and I know the Duke team last year is probably not as talented as the Duke team this year, but North Carolina was 2-1 and one against Duke last year, and UNC shot 33% in one game from three and below 30% in the other two games. And yet those were competitive games. I, I think you know, when you talk about teams that like to play a slower pace, that like to control the, the defense and stop what North Carolina wants to do in transition, I think three-point field goal percentage becomes more important uh, because you're having to work in your half-court offense a lot more. But I think we've seen time and time again in this matchup is that with Duke willing to run with North Carolina, you can score a lot of points in transition because they're easy buckets. And even if you're not hitting from three. Now, as you mentioned, this particular game is very unique in this series, especially since Roy and, you know, since Roy has been there. I mean, it's, it's kind of been the same way for Coach K for a long time. But Duke has always, always under K focused on the three-point shot, both making a lot of threes and defending the three. Their stats have always been very good in those percentages. North Carolina, of course, works from the inside out under Roy. And this year's teams are polar opposite. And so I do think it's important for North Carolina to have some success from three. I don't think they have to shoot some ungodly number. They don't need to make 16 threes to win this game. I mean, they make 16 threes, they, they beat anybody. But they need to be. They need to get some good looks. They need to make some, but they also need to be able to push tempo and and be efficient in their scoring. You know, if they're they're averaging one point one, one point two points per possession, and they're still missing some threes. Who cares, right? I mean, that that's going to be effective for you. Um, but Cam Johnson has been on quite the tear, and I I think it's easy for us to say if if Kobe White's hitting and Cam Johnson's hitting, North Carolina's in this game. And if you have Luke or Kenny that throw in a good game, then you're rolling. Um, but can you count on Cam to have a big game? I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's played great of late. I mean, so you think that kind of works in North Carolina's favor with his size and everything. And that's one of the things I talked to the players about at the press conference and in their interviews afterwards is, right, you know Duke's going to try to run you off the line. So what is key to making sure you get quality looks? Uh, and they all said the same thing, which is what you would expect. But basically, you have to have success inside. And if you can have some success inside, that means Duke uh, really can't spend so much time trying to run you off the line because they've got to protect the rim. And we know Duke's a very good shot-blocking team, so that makes up for it a little bit. Uh, but the other aspect, too, is if they're so so focused on running guys off the line, that means there's some some openings elsewhere. And this is really where I think it's kind of an issue for North Carolina because – we know Kobe can create off the dribble. Kenny and Cam, eh, it's kind of hit or miss. And so I think that's really what we're going to see is if those guys can prove they can be productive beyond just knocking down some threes, if they you know, create off the dribble a little bit, make some good passes, those types of things, that will open up some windows for them, and then you'll see if they can hit. But I don't think they have to shoot a very high percentage from three. They do need to shoot well from the field, no, no question about that. Uh, but I think they need to be efficient, need to get some good looks, and, and knock them down when they do have them. I'm going to take a quick break. It is funny, this game. Uh, we're talking about Duke running Carolina off the three-point line. I mean, th- that is like <laughs> never 
<laughs> we discussed that. Uh, it is the opposite day, opposite world this year for Duke, North Carolina. Short break, come back. I'm going to ask Ross Martin about the key inside for North Carolina. All right, Ross, coming out of that break, uh, Garrison Brooks. I think he's big. The bigger Garrison Brooks plays, the better North Carolina fares against the Blue Devils on Wednesday night. Your thoughts on what we may see from the big man? I mean, I think his what he does defensively is more important than anything. I don't think you expect some big offensive game from him. Um, you know, maybe six to ten points would, would be nice from Garrison. But, I mean, he's going to have to match up with uh, Zion at times. And, you know, he's a tough guy. I think he has a lot of pride. Um, he's got a little attitude that we saw last year in the Duke game uh, in the ACC tournament, which was he had that kind of a dog in him that he didn't back down from uh, Grace Nallen kind of butt-tripping him. So I think he has it in him, um, whether whether that athleticism and what he needs to, to go against Zion is there is yet to be seen. But, um, I mean, him just, you know, providing some sort of some sort of resistance to Zion and then and then being a rebounding force and um and staying out of foul trouble that was a big focus today and in the, in the media availability is big for him so I, I beyond him and Luke there's not much I mean you, you count on Nazir to definitely get you some minutes it seems that he's gonna be healthy and good to go so those three guys and we tasked with kind of guarding Duke's big man um yeah I think Luke and uh Garrison have the big defensive games so and staying out of foul trouble that's maybe taking a charge here or there um, to, to maybe get those guys in foul trouble and then just making it difficult and denying the catch uh, in positions that make them, that make Zion comfortable and uh, and go from there. It's a, it's a tall task, man. I mean, watching Zion, it, it's incredible what he does. And he can score from so many different ways, and he's so athletic, and he can get to so many different spots so easily because he's so strong and so quick. Yeah, and I mean, he's a, he's a good kid. The hype. Makes a lot of people not like him. The hype um, is real. The hype is the, very real. It's it's also a bit much at times. I, <laughs> I agree. He, he's a he's a player, but Greg, I'm not so sure uh, Carolina can use Garrison Brooks on Williamson because when you play against Duke, they always have a big that um, if Duke wins, somebody's doing is playing out of their mind, not the big three. And whatever year it is, Duke has their big three. So I look at a guy like Garrison's going to have to control Bolden or, or even Jack White. Or do they switch Cam Johnson off on some of those guys? I mean, the matchup with Williamson, we can talk about the whole entire show. And I'm not sure that there's one guy from North Carolina that can handle it, to be honest with you. But Bolden and Jack White are the type players that when Duke has won in this matchup, somebody like that has stepped up. I think Garrison has to lock those guys down, make them useless for the Blue Devils, and then force the other guys to do everything. Yeah, I think there's way too much emphasis on Zion Williamson in this game. Um, who Who has matched up well with him all year long? Exactly. No, right, right, nobody. And so you understand that I mean, he's averaging, what, 22 a game? Uh, he's shooting – what's he shooting now? Uh 68% from the floor. So uh, the guy's going to be productive, and he's going to get his points. And so you know, what does Roy Williams said time and time again? What did Dean Smith say over and over again, right? You know, Some teams have a very good player, 
Um, and so, you know, if, if he's going to be the guy that beats you, yeah, you tip your hat to him and move on. But what you don't want to do, kind of to your point, Tommy, is you don't want to let these other guys go off. And so the conversation after the game is not what Zion did. It's what you know, Trey Jones did or Marquise Bolden did. That's what you have to be careful about. And so I, I really think with Zion, uh, I assume Luke May is going to be tasked with guarding him. I'm sure they'll switch it up some, trying to throw different looks at, at Zion. I mean, ideally, Nasir Little would come in and have the best defensive performance of his life uh, and be able to play against Zion. You know, Nasir, that's, that's been a challenge for him this year. Is that consistently consistency defensively? But clearly, athletically, he's, he's the best matchup for Zion. Um, you know, Luke's not the best defender. Clearly, Garrison is the best defender in the post, which is why you know, we talk about Garrison maybe trying to check Zion some. Uh, but I really think you put you put Garrison on on Bolden, you know, and, and maybe even you know Jack White or somebody like that if he comes in and they play small. Uh, maybe you'll see him switch on to Zion some. But you have to control uh, the pain as best you can. And I think that's one of the things – Everybody talks about what Duke did when they went to Charlottesville and they beat beat Virginia. Tony Bennett talked after that game, and what he said was, "Look, you know, we really wanted to pack the pack the lane, uh, and because we did that, we we were slow on our closeouts out on the perimeter. What Duke do? They made thirteen or twenty one threes, and everybody says, 'Ah, oh, see, it doesn't work.' But if you take out that shooting percentage against Virginia, thirteen twenty one, in ACC play." In the other games, Duke is shooting 27.9% from three. And so we have talked time and time again ahead of this matchup about how Roy Williams has to do a better job making sure his guys defend the three-point line. This is the year that his defensive approach of, of starting from the inside, protecting the rim, and then scattering out to the perimeter, this is where that style works. I mean, this is kind of what you want to do. You want to make sure you make all those interior shots difficult and make a team beat you from three. Um, and if if Duke gets hot from three like they did against Virginia, again, you tip your hat to them and you move on. But I think that's the way you beat Duke, is you make them prove that, hey, even though we're only shooting, I mean, what are they shooting in conference play from three? They're shooting 30.5% from three. You dare them to try to beat you from three in this game. And you make it difficult inside for Bolden, for Williamson, even for Barrett, who does a very good job attacking the rim. And so if Cam Reddish is the guy that ends up with like eight three-pointers, you know, so so it goes. But I think that's the approach. That's the way you try to contain Zion and Barrett to an extent and limit their production is by really packing it in, really helping. Uh, you know, we, we saw two years ago North Carolina switch from their 21 defense to their 22 which is instead of getting out in the passing lanes, you kind of stayed within. That really helped that team. Not that Roy's going to make that kind of schematic change for this game, but I think it's a possibility. That's kind of the idea that you want, and that's how you that's how you counter Duke's ability to really dominate in the paint because, as you said, North Carolina does not have that big body down low that can really be a, a shot blocker, rim protector type. So it's got to be a group approach. Hey, Greg, what do you think about UNC using a zone? I think a lot of fans and, and, and people have actually questioned that. You think that's a viable option, something Roy would go to? No. <laughs> uh, and the, I think conceptually, yes. But I think the, the issue is, is that Roy does not teach it. 
And Roy, yeah. I don't think Roy believes in it. And I think more than anything, that's the biggest part. He does not have confidence in it. Therefore, his players don't have confidence in it. Um, and I, you maybe he'll throw it at them uh, here or there, just kind of mix things up. But I think uh, I think you have to be very well versed in running a zone to be effective at it. There's a reason you know, Syracuse is so good at it. Now, that's why I really think that that 22, where you're not extending out to the passing lanes, and you're kind of not really giving them threes, but the three is there if they want to pull up and take a shot. Uh, that way you kind of limit some of the driving lanes. And I think that would be a safer approach than, than trying to go zone. Yeah, it's, it's playing a zone, but not playing a zone. Right. It's staying back. And when you look at the stats, and this is what's fascinating when people talk about uh, the matchup and how Duke's unbeatable or can be unbeatable. I mean, Barrett shoots 45% total. 33.5% from three. Zion, you mentioned, shooting 68%. I mean, he's obviously the unicorn. Cam Reddish only shoots 36%. Trey Jones only shoots 44%. I mean, and then you got Bolden that shoots 58 But everybody else, I mean, Carolina has to force them to win um, from the outside. Syracuse did it. Syracuse beat them. And like you said, you're talking about the Virginia game, Greg. If, if Duke makes 50% from three, only 50%, they lose. Right. And that is an incredible thing. So if they come out and they shoot 50-plus percent from three-pointers, then they win. It's that simple. But, Ross, I think a couple other things that we can talk about is I think rebounding is going to be huge in this game. Not because um, Carolina is, you know, is, is as dominant as they have been on the class, but you cannot give Duke – or any team of that matter, but especially not Duke and especially not in Cameron, multiple shots at it on one end. It always leads to a kick out three. Um, so I think this is a game that Roy Williams tells his guys, everybody gets to the glass. Uh, uh, your thoughts there? I mean, we he's not going to play zone. If he does, it's just a window <laughs> dressing. But if, yeah. they don't, if they don't rebound, that's where I see the real trouble coming in. And they're a good re- rebounding team. They're number one in the ACC right now. I mean, I think the key – I mean, just I've watched Duke a lot, and you see Zion – I know I'm saying his name a lot. You see him having so many second-chance opportunities, and he's so strong um, getting to the basket and, and finding his way to get an offensive rebound. Um, and you got to prevent that, so you have to know where he is. You have to box him out, get a body on him early. I think that's where Garrison Brooks and Luke May can come in handy with their – you know, bigger size uh, compared to some of the other players. Um, and I think UNC generally accepts the fact they're a good rebounding team and have been very good at that, um, despite their lack of size or, or lack of, of big men. So, of course, it's going to be important. I think that's a, a key way UNC can get an advantage and uh, in limiting second-chance opportunities, forcing Duke to shoot from the outside, I think is a, a way to succeed in this game. And um, I don't know how, how much else there is to say there. I mean, of course, they want to rebound very well. I just think it, it, I've seen Duke make so many threes after offensive rebounds. It's a killer. Greg, um, your key for maybe what we haven't talked about. I think Carolina needs – this is a game where the seniors need to be the leaders. They've done it um, on the road before. I think this game, Carolina really needs something from – Johnson, May, and Williams more so maybe than they've gotten in the last um, couple weeks, at least from, you know, it's always 
one of the three or two of the three, I think all three need to step up Wednesday night. Yeah, I'm going to sneak back real quick, though, and, and comment on the, the rebounding part because I think that is a critical aspect. It, one thing that Duke has done because they have such great athletes, I mean, they're, they're top ten in the country in offensive rebound percentage. Uh, North Carolina, of course, is I think they're top 20 in, in both offensive rebound percentage and defensive rebound percentage. And I think that's really the, the key because if, if Duke is able to, uh, to get additional possessions, that's going to be tough to beat. And so North Carolina has to do a phenomenal job on the defensive glass. But on the flip side, uh, Duke has not been very good uh, on the defensive glass. And that's an area where North Carolina can steal some buckets. And so I, I think with Roy's uh, persistence and emphasis on, on rebounding, that's an area really to watch. I, mean, I, I truly believe rebounding and turnovers are the, the two keys of this game. And then you get into three-point shooting probably after that. But to, to, your, to your point, I think one of the unique dynamics of this game is that when you look at what the Blue Devils are going to start, I mean, they're going to be starting – Trey Jones, Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett. Four freshmen who've never played in this game before. Uh, North Carolina's got uh, three grizzled veterans uh, who have played in this game quite a bit and have played in a lot of games quite a bit. And where I, where I think that really benefits UNC is, with this being the first matchup, with it being at Duke, there's going to be a lot of emotions in play. And I, I think what you have to do at Cameron is you have to withstand that initial flurry because that place is going to be pumping. There's going to be, you know, maybe a Barack Obama is going to be there. You know, all these, all these big name guys are going to be there and it's going to be hyped. Two and chains. So I, what? <laughs> Two chains and Drake. Are they going to be there? I don't know. I'm just leading off names I've heard. Sorry <laughs> to interrupt. Peyton Manning, right? That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that's one of the keys is you know, if you can withstand that initial burst, uh, because those freshmen for Duke are going to be worked up too. They haven't experienced it before. And I think if you can kind of get into the you know the eight, ten minute mark of that first half and it's still a competitive game, I think you're in pretty good shape at that point in time. You can manage if you're if you're executing. And I think that's really where those seniors come into play. And then also the fact that you know, as, as good as Duke has been, and they've been great, no doubt about it. They haven't been in a whole lot of close games. Not that North Carolina necessarily has uh, this season either, although they've had some. Uh, now, we can talk about the Louisville game. You know, Duke had an incredible comeback. That's worth a lot, confidence-wise. Uh, the Virginia games, for sure. So they've, they've got some experience there. But they don't have the wealth of, of, of close game experience that some of these guys from North Carolina have. And I, I really think that's what Kenny Williams and Cam Johnson and, and Luke may have to do. If you go back to the state game, for example, those three guys all had double doubles. I mean, that's, that's senior leadership in a nutshell. Those guys stepped up because state's a good rebounding team. They took care of things and uh, that's why Carolina won that game. And so you, you need some, some elite play like that. You need Kenny Williams taking some charges uh, and Cam Johnson knocking down some shots, Luke May being being competitive and, and making some smart plays. And you do that, then you're in this game. And if you're in this game, last five minutes, you know, really anything can happen. Ross, give me uh give me something we hadn't talked about that you'll be looking for Wednesday night, other than man. two chains and Drake. That's right. I'm I'm putting you on the spot, but man, you gotta do it sometimes. 
Man, I mean, kind of summarizing it and, and adding to what Luke's, uh, sorry, what Greg said, um, it is so electric in there. And if you haven't been in there, I mean, it is an intense environment. I, it's an intense environment, I think, for the seniors for UNC as well. And I think the home court advantage is such a large factor in this game for uh, the Blue Devils that, you know, if UNC can come in and get a little bit of a lead early, it just calms down the UNC players. They can see some shots go in and they can they get the fan base a little bit settled down um, because they are, they are right on you. And, and being in there just even two hours before the game, it's so intense and so electric. It's it's kind of hard to explain if you haven't been in there. So I think early three-point shooting for UNC is going to be so big. I think Cameron Johnson and Luke May hitting threes is going to be huge. And for um, Kobe White to facilitate the offense and get some easy transition baskets, whether that be for him or just in transition in general to, to get his teammates involved is going to be huge. Because um, you don't want to go into the, the second half with – Duke up 10 and the fan base just kind of rowdy heading into the second half. Um, we've kind of seen that story before, but I think the, the veteran, veteran advantage is huge for UNC. I think it could give them a boost and I think they have the talent to beat Duke. Um, I'm very interested to see the spread tomorrow morning. Um, Cause while I think uh, we kind of speak of this a lot in recruiting, you know, while Duke may have the, the more talented team on paper with the more NBA draft picks, uh, experience is a huge deal in college basketball. And Luke May, Kenny Williams, Cameron Johnson have seen it all. Garrison Brooks has been in some contests. And I think Kobe White is such a gamer and such a big-time player who has stepped up in such key games and can make big shots, proving he can take big shots and make big uh, – and, and score a lot in big games. I think it goes a long way. So, um, you know, I think UNC definitely has a shot, and I think – you know, I think a lot of people think Duke is going to win because it's at home, but I think there's a lot of things that could play into UNC's favor on Wednesday night. Touched Greg, on a lot of things there. <laughs> you did, absolutely. exactly what I wanted. Greg, Carolina's had to lead in the second half a lot against Duke and just hadn't been able to close it. Um, I see a similar type scenario. The question is, can uh, Luke, Kenny, and Cam, Kobe, Nasir, uh, you know, can they close it out? But I'm going to close out the show by asking this. And I also think Carolina needs to be aggressive. I think Zion Williamson's had four fouls in the last two or three games they've played, including Louisville. I mean, I think you got to attack him. Uh, he's prone to giving up some fouls. But anyway, I think that'll be key. It always is in Duke Carolina. But, Greg, you go first. Most memorable moment in Cameron Indoor Stadium covering Carolina and Duke. Or not, if you've been otherwise. Uh, it's got to be the the Danny Green dunk over uh, Greg Paulus. I mean, that was uh, we were actually talking about that at the the press conference on on Monday. But the fact that Jim Hawkins got that that epic photograph for IC, uh, I'm trying to think what year that was. It was either 08 or 09. But just a um, just an incredible moment. And I think at that point in time that that was one of the few times where the Duke crowd has just been. Uh, congratulatory towards UNC for such an impressive play against one of their own. Ross, your thought? What was the what was the question? Sorry, your uh, <laughs> your most memorable Cameron oh, indoor stadium. Okay. You talked about how electric it is. I think you like it a little too much, but <laughs> I mean, I would say 2006. I was a sophomore 
at UNC and uh, that that freshman class of Bobby Frazier, uh, a Inside Carolina podcast guest, uh, Tyler Hansborough, Danny Green, uh, Marcus Ginyard, and then Rayshon Terry and David Noel coming in and beating J.J. Redick and Sheldon Williams on their senior night is definitely, I think, the coolest, most fun um, Duke game experience uh, in my r- recent memory. I don't go too far back. But that was a, I think it was a huge win and kind of shifted the momentum um, into that whole Hansborough era that led uh, many more years. Yeah, I remember being there on the Forte game, and you get there early, and Greg, you know how they let them in early, the students in, sort of going nuts. And there's this, this dude, I assume it was a student, it had to be a student, um, but it was a grown man uh, who was hairy, and he had on <laughs> – a diaper and a bonnet and a big pacifier and a bottle. And he was yelling at Brendan Haywood the entire time when they were warming up and he was whining like a baby. And then it's funny that uh, Haywood ended up making the foul shot that beat him. And that was the Forte game. And I assume Greg, you'll be sitting there. Y'all's press seats are still going to be pretty similar than they always have been right there on the foul line. Yep. And uh, you could see Forte stick his head into the Duke huddle. And of course, after the fact, um, it was him telling the boys that they couldn't guard him. It's a fun atmosphere. I think Carolina's got a shot. We'll talk about it a plenty. We'll have post game, hopefully, with Dewey and Sherelle if I can pull that feed off. Uh, but Greg and Ross, it's always been fun to talk about Carolina basketball, talk about Duke Carolina basketball, Carolina Duke Wednesday night. Ross, Greg, appreciate you joining me. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.